Acts chapter 5, verse 38. Now get the context of what we have going on here. Uh, they've been preaching. Peter has been preaching Jesus Christ, and they've told him, do not preach the name of Jesus Christ. And this, is, of course, is after Jesus Christ has been resurrected. Uh, Peter's been uh, led out by the Lord through the Holy Spirit to start preaching, and they've been out on the street, and uh, they told him back in 29, they told him, don't preach Jesus Christ. And back in verse 29, Peter says, we ought to obey God rather than man. Amen, amen. So they're like, you know, I don't care what the government says. I'm going to do what the Lord wants me to do. So, of course, that got them some deep trouble. They got arrested. And they got thrown before the council, and they were about to kill them. The council was about to kill them there in verse 33 and took counsel to slay them. And uh, Gamil stood up, and he said, you know what? We had this happen before, these men, and then it went all to naught. So he said, but what, but what if they are really from God? I'm kind of, of course, I'm paraphrasing. He says, what if they're really from God and then we find out that we're fighting God? So just let them alone. If it's from God, you don't want to be fighting God, he said. But if it's not from God, this thing that they're preaching about Jesus Christ, he said it all fall apart. Which is really wise advice because you don't want to be against God. Amen. I mean, sometimes we pray stuff and we're praying and God wants to do it a different way. And you're actually praying against God. You don't ever want to be there. So that's why you'll say, well, Lord, you know, you know my will, Lord, but let your, I want your will to be done. So catching up to that, we're at verse 38, and now I say unto you, he, he continues and says, Refrain from these men and let them alone, for if this counsel or this work be of men, it will come to naught. But if it be of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest happily ye be found even to fight against God. And to him they agreed, and when they had called the apostles and beaten them, beat them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing, Notice, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Now, I want to do a study tonight. It's just a quick study. More of a, it's more of a sermon as it is a study. But I want to talk about spiritual counting. Spiritual counting. We're going to count some stuff out spiritually and we're going to look at some stuff you can spiritually count as a plus. And we're going to look at some stuff in the Bible that you can spiritually count as a minus. But we're going to do some spiritually counting. And we're going to focus there in verse 41 where it says, They departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for His name. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we're just praying that You'd bless this teaching, this preaching. Lord God, Father, I just pray You'd... Be your words, not mine, Father. I just pray your Holy Spirit will move among us tonight, Lord God, leading, God directing us, Father. And Lord, we want to thank you for the health to be able to get up out of bed, to come up here, Lord, to church. And Father, I just thank you for the way you've took care of us in this church. And Father, I just pray as we go through this week, we're going to take this prayer list, Lord God, and these names we've written down, and to the best of our ability, pray over them, Father, expecting you to move. And we thank you and give you all the honor and praise for the, th the things you have answered through this prayer list, Lord God. And Father, we don't take any credit. It all goes to you. But Father, we just appreciate you allowing us to give you these petitions. But Lord, go with us through the rest of these services. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. So he says he, they, they were counted worthy. They thought they were count, counted it worthy to suffer shame for his name. So it's counted joy to suffer for Jesus' name. So spiritually speaking, this is a plus. Spiritually speaking, this is a plus for a Christian to suffer for being a Christian. 
It's, it's a spiritual plus that you're suffering for being associated with the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For us to suffer for being associated with the most holy, blessed name that's ever been given to man, Jesus Christ, to be, a, to be associated with that name, that's why they were joyous. Because see what it was is, Jesus is amazing. Jesus is, all, is God manifest in the flesh, and Peter knows that. And when Peter realizes, they think that I'm with him. <laughs> they think that I'm with, I, I mean, I'm one of the guys. I'm one of the, I'm a Christian. I'm one of the guys. And it was a, it's a spiritual plus, Christian, for you to suffer as a Christian. If they were to take you to court and put you on trial, and call you up there and say, we're going to put you on trial for, and see if you're a Christian. We think you're a Christian. And I think these days are coming in America. Well, they're going to throw us in jail for being Christians. Would they have enough evidence in a court of, in a trial, in a court of law, to convict you for being a Christian? I mean, would they be able to bring up some friends, some relatives, and, and, and would they say, well, I've never seen them going to church. I've never seen them carrying a Bible. They never talked to me about God. They never talked to me about the Lord. I never even heard them mention that name of Jesus Christ, uh, maybe they're a Christian, I don't know. Or would they have somebody come up, a neighbor or a friend say, you know, they've invited me to church, I've seen them carrying a Bible, and I know every, every night at Wednesday night and every Sunday morning, I know I'm, where I'm not going to find them. I'm not going to find them at home, they're going to be up at church. And I could rob their house because it's just like clockwork. I know where. Wouldn't it be an honor to be on trial and for them to, for them to have so many witnesses they could bring against us? For being a Christian. That's why, brothers and sisters, we need to count it. We should count it a plus when somebody accuses us for being a Christian. And I've had them do it. I've had them. Uh, I had this one Catholic lady, and, and she looked at me and she said, You're not one of them born again Christians, are you? Just, you know, like she was talking about, she was like, she was cussing or something. And I, I just smiled at, Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Man, I, I don't know about y'all, but I love. To be associated with Jesus Christ. I, you know, because I've been associated with some bad people growing up. And I've, I've been a bad person. I mean, I, I am the bad person. I mean, I've been associated with some bad groups and some bad things. And there's some times like, are you friends with him? No, oh, I don't know. I don't even know that guy. You know, and I, I've had people do that to me because I don't blame them. But yeah, I will never do that with Jesus Christ. I praise the Lord and I, I pray, excuse me, I pray and I hope I wouldn't do that. I hope I would have enough guts to stand my ground and say, you're not going to make me deny Jesus Christ. Now, under torture, who knows what man or woman will do. But you know what will really convict you? Get the Martyr's Mirror. It's a book. I've got it at home. It's about this thick. It's about, it looks like a big old dictionary. And it's nothing but people that have been killed for the, in the name of Jesus Christ back in the 1500s, 1600s, 1700s. And it's about this thick. And you'll have these teenage little girls who are getting whipped and beat and will not deny Jesus Christ. And they're took to the stake. And while they're getting lit up and they're about to be burned alive, they're, they're singing hymns as they go up in flames. I know grown men that couldn't do that. So that's what I'm saying, man. I hope the Lord would give me grace to be able to not deny him and say, Jesus Christ. You know, when the Columbine shootings uh, took place, that's what they, they were doing. They were going through that cla those classrooms there in Colorado, and one of the things they were doing, they asked that girl, so are, you, are you a Christian? And she said yes, and boom, they just shot and killed her right there. Don't you know she's got some rewards? 
Because that story went out all over the world that this little teenage girl said, I am a Christian, while they're pointing a gun at her. Boom, killed her. The Lord never promised us, brothers and sisters, a rose garden. He never promised us that we're going to get through without being scathed. As a matter of fact, everybody you're seeing here, including Peter, Peter was, uh, ended up being martyred and crucified upside down for Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, they went to crucify and to kill Peter, and the, the history tells us, and the Bible don't tell us this, but history tells us that when they went to crucify Peter, he said, I'm not worthy to be crucified like my Savior. I want to be crucified upside down. Wow. That's, that's our heritage. Our heritage is a trail of blood, brothers and sisters. It's a trail of Men and women, young men, young women shedding their blood, giving their lives for this Bible, for this book, for the truth, and for Jesus Christ. Amen. It's a plus, a spiritual plus to be associated with Jesus Christ. Look at Acts chapter 20. Let's move along. I got, I got some of these I want to show you tonight. Acts chapter 20. It's a spiritual plus to be associated with Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 20, verse 17. Acts chapter 20, verse 17. Now this is Paul, and he's about to leave. And uh, of course, Paul's an interesting character. Uh, I love Brother Paul here. And he says here in Acts chapter 20, verse 17, he says, From Miletus, from Miletus excuse me, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. So he calls all the elders of the church, and when they were come to him, he said unto them, You know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind, and with many tears and temptations, which befell me by the lying and weight of the Jews. So what Paul's testimony is, he said, I did this in humility. I did this in tears, tears of pain, tears of agony, tears of, of joy. He did all of this with passion and temptations. In other words, he was tempted to quit. He was tempted just to give up. He was tempted to move along, but he stayed right there with them. Verse 20, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you. Paul says to them, I gave it all. I gave you my whole life. But have showed you, look, have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. The devil wants you to keep it in the church. The devil wants you to keep it right in these. The devil's okay with you coming to church. The devil loves it when you come to church and come in these doors and these walls and you keep it right here and you sing about Jesus right here and you praise the Lord right here and you only open up your Bible right here. He, the devil loves that. The devil jumps up and clicks his heels. But as soon as you walk out those doors and you start living for Jesus Christ, that's when you're living for Jesus Christ. Anybody can come into a church surrounded by people that agree with them and amen and read the Bible and make it a little social gathering. And it turns into a social gathering sometimes. Sometimes I have to break all up to even get church started. But I love to be in a church like that. But I'm saying, you see where I'm going with this, that we need to step out of this. And Paul was saying, I not only did it from house to house, I did it publicly. That's why when we, uh, we take some street signs sometimes, we go down on the corner, maybe we hold up some street signs, we do some of the things we do publicly, and we go up to the nursing home, we get out of the church, we go up to the nursing home, we sing and do a little preaching. We're trying to do that publicly because that's what our heritage is. Going back to our heritage, our heritage is a history of men and women street preaching, circuit riding preachers, going out and telling a lost and dying world of Jesus Christ 
It's not about this church. It's about how we're living outside of this church. And that's how men are going to judge you. Men are not in the church with you. Your brothers, I mean, your uh, family members, your neighbors, your co-workers, they're not in church with you. They don't know you love the Lord unless you show it outside those doors. Amen? They don't know you read your Bible unless they see you carrying one or reading one outside those doors. We, I know how spiritual you are. I know how spiritual, how close you're trying to get to the Lord, and I praise the Lord for that. But it doesn't do you any good in the world to not live it outside these doors. And Paul was saying, I did it publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. We've got to repent and then have faith toward Jesus Christ. We, we understand that's salvation. Verse 22, And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions shall abide me. The Holy Spirit kept warning Paul everywhere he went, don't go to Jerusalem, don't go to Jerusalem. And of course, what did Paul do? He went straight into Jerusalem. Isn't that what we do? We get that funny feeling about stuff. We get that funny feeling. You better not make that transaction. You better not make that deal. You better not. And we go right into it. I wish we were spiritual enough sometimes to see those things and heed the Holy Spirit's warnings. Verse 24, but none of these things move me. See, he's talking about all the stuff he's had to do. And, but he says, none of these things move me. Neither, look, neither count. There's a spiritual counting. Neither count I my life dear unto myself so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. So what Paul says here is Paul didn't count his life dear. So it's a minus to hold your life as something that's dear. To be so concerned about your life in general. It's a minus, a spiritual minus to hold your life so dear. Nobody in here wants to die quick. I mean, everybody wants to live a good long life. But you don't want to live a life that's just full of quantity and not quality. Life is not about quantity. It's about quality. I'd much rather have a life that's full-blown, a full abundant life for 50 years than to have a strung out 70, 80 year life that's full of nothing for the Lord. We need, uh, the, if you ask the world what the meaning of life is, you say, you ask him, most people you ask them that are not Christians, you say, what's the meaning of life? And you know what their usual their answer would be? Uh, they might get around to saying it, they'll have different ways of saying it, but you can basically boil it down into this little saying, not to die. That, that's, that's what they'll say. What, what's the meaning of life? Not to die. To stay alive as long as you can. And for a Christian, that's nothing. We would never say that. To live as long as possible. If it ever means these people have the idea to live as long as, it, as it's possible, even if it means spend another extra 10 years in a nursing home not knowing anybody and having somebody had to come get you and, and change your diaper. Whatever it takes to live longer. And sometimes we see these people, they, they die at 60 years old, and we say, oh, what a shame. Well, they're up in heaven quicker. I mean, if you really grab a hold of it, and I'm not saying I, I'm not saying I want to die anytime soon, but I'm saying when you get to really get when you get a hold of this stuff and you start thinking about what you're doing for the Lord, you're like, if heaven's real to you, then why isn't it real to you that they're getting to go earlier than you're getting to go? You know, uh, the most god awful, and I mean that the most god awful thing I've ever seen 
One of the most, and you'd be amazed to find out that I, I really that I really believe this, but I believe this all my heart. Is I was in a a, a local nursery, you know, like a, where they sell plants and stuff like that, and they had these stepping stones you could buy and put out in your garden. And one of the stepping stones, you know, big old stepping stone, it said, "If if tears were if tears were a stairway, I would climb up into heaven and bring you home." And I thought, golly, that's so blasphemous. If tear, I'm not going to go up there and bring you up. This isn't home. So whoever's a Christian didn't write that. Because if, you, if you're a Christian, you say, if tears were stairways, I'd go up there and I would be home with you. I'm not taking you who's passed away and bring you back to this hell hole. I'm going to climb up to heaven. I'm going to be at home with you, with Jesus Christ, with all my other relatives. That's why we're a sojourner. We're on a journey, guys. This is not our home. And we get caught up in that. And, and, and I know I hit on this some because I get in the same rut. But we get in, oh, what about this politician? And what, what's he doing? And what's she doing? And what are we doing to the Supreme Court? And we get caught up in all this stuff. And guys, it doesn't really matter to a Christian. This is, we're just living here. As long as we can live peaceably, let them do what they're going to do. Let me preach Jesus Christ. Let me read my Bible. And you go off and be a transgender or whatever you want to be. Just leave me alone. But you notice that now this country is starting to get away from the God and get away from Jesus Christ. You notice what we're starting to lose in this country? Liberty. The Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, is liberty. So when you see the Spirit of the Lord leave this country, you know what leaves too? Liberty. You want to see where America's going? Just turn over to the UK. Watch what's going on in England. It will scare you. I was just reading an article... I think it was today where this lady had said, had not on, on, on a social media, like on a Facebook page in England, she had not called a transgender, I don't know if it was a man or a woman, you know, who cares, who knows. Didn't call them by their proper pronoun. You know, if, if, you're, if you're a man that wants to be a woman, you don't want to be called a he or a sir, you want to be called a she or a it or a he or a z or a zer. They got all these different... She didn't, she didn't give him or her the proper pronoun the police showed up to talk to her and were threatening to arrest her. I can't make this stuff up. And it's like, it's called hate speech. If you don't, and if you don't talk to them and the proper pronoun they want to be addressed by. <laughs> if that's not a loss of liberty, I don't know what is. That's a country, that's a country, number one, that turned their back on the Jew in World War II. And that's a country that God said, I'm done with you. And they were ne the, the sun never set on the, on the, uh, on the English Empire. The sun, the sun never set on the British Empire until after they turned on the Jew. They promised the Jew that piece of land in 1916 at the Balfour Declaration. Winnie the Pooh, Winston Churchill, changed his mind, threw it to the side, and God said, I'm done with you. And that country has never been the same. Third rate. And God, you know what God did to this country that stood up for the Jew and helped them to become a nation in 1948? Just became the most powerful country in the whole world, named America, United States. Because we stuck up for the Jew. The reason why you need to vote for Trump, and I'm not telling you how to vote, but if you wanted to vote as a Christian for Trump, do it for this very reason. Because he keeps sticking his neck out for the Jew, for Israel. And when he sits there and he said, we're moving the embassy, we're moving it from 
uh, Tel Aviv and we're putting it where it needs to be, where it should have been, where y'all have already voted it should be, in Jerusalem, and you have all the Muslims coming out and you, all, these, the, all these people going crazy. Trump, what Trump just did is Trump just made God smile down on America. And every time Trump does something to help the Jew, to help Israel, and, and takes that, that stupid agreement they had with Iran and says, I'm not doing this with Iran. This is the worst agreement known to man. We're not doing this. This goes against everything that our friend Israel needs. And when he did that and started sticking up for Israel, that's when God smiles down on America. God's going to bless us. And I would say that about Obama if he would have done the right thing. But he did the wrong thing. And so did Bush and so a lot of these, they just threw Israel right under the bus. And I, I, I'm happy that Trump is, is sticking up like that. He's crazier than a, a peach archer boar. Trump is. I mean, I'm not trying to pick on you guys. I mean, the guy's half nuts. I mean, I mean really, I mean, really, come on. I mean, I wouldn't even let him teach Sunday school here. Y'all know, seriously. He'd come in there, and I'm going to hit on Trump a little bit. He'd come in there, and he said, uh, yeah, Trump said, uh, they asked him what his favorite, oh, I love the Bible, I love the Bible. I love the Bible more than anybody's ever loved the Bible. You know how, you know how Trump talks. Well, what's your favorite? And he, so he started trying to quote the verse, and they gave him a verse of quote, and what did he say? He said, number two Corinthians. Number two Corinthians. Now, you, I know why y'all are laughing, because any Christian who's been at church for any length of time knows it's not number two, it's second. It's second. Hey, Mr. Trump, we can tell you hadn't been at church. It's second Corinthians. And then when they asked him to quote his favorite verse, it wasn't even in the Bible. That's like Nancy Pelosi does the same thing. But they're all, they're all, that's not our world, guys. That's not us. I mean, listen, we don't care about, that's not our life. To a Christian, to a Christian to live as Christ and to die as gain. That's what Paul taught us. To live is Christ, that's our life. And to die is gain. So for a Christian to be able to give his life up, Paul says, I gave my life up for this. And I'm, I'm joyous about it. Because it's a plus, it's a plus in a spiritual sense to give your life up for Jesus Christ. But it's a minus spiritually to think that your life should be dear to you. You should say, Lord, uh, this ain't my life. This is your life. What do you want me to do? And that's why that wall right there, we try to support those missionaries because those brothers and sisters there, there was a time in their life they said, Lord, this life isn't mine anymore. I want it to be for you. Where do you want me to go? And they went, the Lord sent them all over the world. That's why I have such a heart for those missionaries. Such a heart. It's not about quality. I mean, it's not about quantity. It's about quality. We need to have a good quality life for the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at Philippians chapter 3. Let's move on to the next one. I'm, Getting sidetracked on politics. I, I shouldn't be doing that, brother. That's just going to cause trouble. It always just causes trouble. Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, verse 4. Yeah, to the, the most abundant life is found living for Jesus Christ. There's no doubt about that. Philippians chapter 3, look at verse 4. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. So Paul's about to brag. And he's about to brag in a sense that he's going to brag about how, spiritually speaking, I mean, in, in the, and I say spiritually speaking, I mean, religiously speaking, in the law of the Jew, there was nobody who could really claim any more than Paul could claim. I mean, Paul, other than just being the high priest, was at the top of the top when it came to everything, when it came to being a Jew in a Jewish religion. Look at verse 5. Circumcised the eighth day 
of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. There was nobody that could come up and tell Paul, hey Paul, I saw you working on the Sabbath, I saw you doing this. He was keeping the law blameless. And as a matter of fact, he was zealous. He was zealous for the Jewish religion. Verse, verse 7 though. Look at verse 7. But what things were gained to me, because all that was good to him, he thought it was a good gain, those I counted, there's another counting, loss for Christ. Look at verse 8. Yea, doubtless. And I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. Look at this next one. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count, we're doing spiritual counting, do count them but dung that I may win Christ. Wow. That's why Paul's the greatest Christian to ever live. Paul counted all things dung to know Jesus Christ. Near these uh, new Bible versions, they come out, and they always talk about they have the updated English and the easy-to-read English. I bet they didn't update that word. What do you think? That word dung right there? You don't have to look. I know they haven't updated it. They're a bunch of hypocrites. But what that dung means, it means exactly what it says. And Paul says, and, a, and he's using a strong word there. He's saying, I counted all those things, those things in life, those riches, all those things I held dear as being rich and, 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 and knowledgeable and being the best of the best. He said, all that's dung to me. Spiritually speaking, Paul's saying it's a minus to hold on to riches and material goods. Spiritually speaking now, spiritually speaking, when you're spiritually counting things up, it's a minus to hold on to riches and material goods. It's a minus. It really is. A Christian's main goal should be daily to get to know Jesus Christ better. That's what he said. He said, but loss, look at verse 8, yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss. Why? For the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. He said, I want to lose everything just so I can get to know Jesus better. You remember when you first fell in love with the one you love and how you just gave away everything to get to know her or him better? I remember me and my wife first got to know, any, get to know each other and we would stay up to one or two o'clock in the morning talking. I had to go to work the next day. Like, what was I thinking, man? And we talk about that, like, what were we thinking? I mean, we'd stay up to midnight, and, and mostly it was just her quizzing me, you know, making sure that I wasn't some murderer, axe killer. So I'm just like, have you ever done this? Have you ever done that? Have you done this? Have you done that? So, ooh, I was getting the third degree. But you would, everything, it didn't matter, right? I, I didn't care. I, 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 took, I, I didn't watch the Dallas Cowboys play football. I didn't, I didn't care about nothing else. All I cared about was getting to know her. Because that's where my heart was. I want to get to know her. I want to get to know as much about her. Because like Paul said, Jesus Christ is excellent. And to know the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Say, Lord, I don't know you well enough. I want to get to know you better. I want to get to know you more intimate. I want to get to know you because everything about knowing Jesus Christ is so very excellent. Riches and materialistic attitudes can keep you from knowing Jesus Christ like you should. That's why he counted it lost. See, riches 
And a materialistic attitude is going to keep you from knowing Jesus Christ. Well, say, what do you mean, brother? I mean, you can be rich and know Jesus Christ. Don't get me wrong. I mean, there's, you, can get, you can get wealthy and know Jesus Christ. You, you can have lots of material goods and know Jesus Christ, but those things tend to keep you from getting a, a deeper knowledge of Jesus Christ because you have so much to take care of. And another reason why riches and materialistic goods keeps you from knowing Jesus Christ is because, I want you to think about this, because Jesus Christ didn't have riches and materialistic goods. If you want to get to know Jesus Christ, you need to get down on His level. Where was His level at? My Savior said, I don't even have a pillow to lay my head. He didn't have a house. And He just walked through this world, and His whole attitude was like, His whole attitude wasn't, hey boys, let's see if we can get some gold. Let's see if we can get some money. Let's see if we can get us a better horse. Let's see if we can get us some bigger swords. Let's see if we... He, his whole attitude walking through Jerusalem was, let's see who we can help today. No riches, no materialistic goods. His whole attitude was... Helping, and this is what I love about the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only was his attitude about helping others, but what I love about the Lord was one thing that was very, very important to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was not just helping others, but was having fellowship. He made sure he had 12 men around him. And when things started getting tough, he'd take three, Peter, James, and John, bring those three with him. He always had good fellowship. So what, as I get older in life and I realize I'm not going to get rich, Unless I have a rich uncle that I don't know about that's going to die and give it all to me. I, I don't, I'm not going to get rich working for the city, right? Amen? I mean, y'all guys that work for... I don't get, I'm not going to get rich. And I'm starting to realize, you know, life's not about having the biggest car, the biggest house. Life's about family and fellowship and relationships. And like my brother Joe said, brother, he has, man, that brother probably has got 100000 more just sitting in a bank somewhere. I mean, which is rich to me. But my point is, is he told me yesterday when we were talking, he said, Keegan, I'd give it all away just to have it right with my sons. So my son wouldn't be in jail and he could be home with me and eat, eat at my table. He would give it all away to have his son just sit at the table and eat a meal with him. It's about family, brothers. It's about relationships. It's not about this junk the world tries to shove down your throat every time you turn on the TV. You got to buy this. You got to buy this. You got to get this. You got to have the latest this. You got to have the latest phone. You got to have. It's not about that. And the Lord was never about that. So if you want to get close to the Lord and get to understand what the Lord's really about, you got to get that stuff out of your life. And Paul says, I count it as dung. You can interpret that how you want. For the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. All right, let's move on to the next one. Philippians, the same, same chapter. Philippians chapter, uh, chapter 3, verse 12. Let's move on to the next one. I'm, I'm running out of time. All right, Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Just a couple verses down. We're going to skip ahead. He says, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, perfect in the sense of mature, you know, uh, not perfect like never have committed sin or don't commit sin, but just a mature Christian. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that, for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, verse 13, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. 
I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. What a wonderful Christian Paul was. We could learn so much. Paul did not count himself to have apprehended. Paul did not count himself to have apprehended. So spiritually speaking, this counting is, is a minus. It's a minus to think that you're a perfect and mature Christian. It's a spiritual minus to think, hey, I've done it all. I've already grown as much as I can grow in the Lord. I've already, uh, I've already attained what I can attain from the Lord. I've already apprehended what I can apprehend from the Lord. When I was down in Pensacola Baptist uh, School, and I was down there in, uh, under Dr. Ruttman and them guys, and one of the uh, teachers was laughing because he had one of the students was there for, for a year, and he said, he came up and he said, I think I've learned everything I can from Dr. Ruttman. I'm leaving. And we just looked at him like, you're crazy. This guy wrote 200 books. Dr. Ruttman, I mean, you've learned everything. In one year, he's learned everything. But that's the kind of attitude some Christians have. Well, I've gotten this, you know, I've gotten this, I've, I know enough about Christ. And you never know enough about Christ. You've never attained. You've never become a perfect Christian. Guys, there's always something we can improve on. There's always something we can do to become a better Christian. Paul, the greatest Christian, the greatest Christian, no doubt, I don't think there'd be any scholar to disagree with me. Paul was the greatest Christian to ever walk on this earth. He never thought he was perfect. And neither should you. Amen. And neither should you. Look, Jesus Christ apprehended you for a reason. Apprehended. Woo! Cop pull you over. You're under arrest. I've, I'm apprehending you. Putting you some. Jesus Christ, He grabbed a hold of you. You're in here. If you're a Christian in here tonight, you're in here because Jesus Christ, at one time in your life, the whole, through the Holy Spirit, He apprehended you. He grabbed a hold of you. Jesus Christ apprehended you, and He did it for a reason. He didn't grab a hold of you for you just to sit and do nothing for him. He grabbed a hold of you because he loved you, amen, and he wanted to have fellowship with you, and he had some things you could do. And he wanted you to have these things to do because when he knows if you'll do the things I tell you to do, you'll have life and you'll have it more abundantly. You'll have it more abundantly. I like what Paul says there. In verse 13, he says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. He says, Forgetting those things which are behind. You got to put all your past sins, you got to put them under the blood of Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters. You got to just press forward. Because we're all going to make fools of ourselves. We're all going to embarrass ourselves. We're all going to have sins in our life that we're ashamed of. But you got to just take those things. You got to forget those things. You got to put them behind you. You got to just press forward. You, go, you just got to. Uh, you're going to have to forget those things. And that's what Paul's saying, forgetting those things which are behind. And let me go so far as to say we need to forget the good that's behind us. Sometimes we get set in our laurels and say, well, we, we, get, you know, we get settled in and well, everything's been going good. And you kind of get in a rut. We don't want to get in a rut. We don't, we don't want to be in a rut, right? We need to always be thinking ahead. And uh, me and Brother Ronnie have talked about this sometimes. Like he said, brother, you know, you're thinking outside the box. We're thinking, out, yeah, let's think outside the box. Let's, you know, uh, let's, just, let's just do it. Let's just do something. Let's not, let's not get in a rut. I want to keep, keep pressing forward. And sometimes I want to forget about the good. It's like, okay, maybe we got some souls saved last year. But how many souls can we get saved this year? Let's not live on the good stuff in the past. And let's not live on the bad stuff in the past. Let's forget that stuff. Put it on the blood of Jesus Christ. And, and say, if we did something for the Lord, praise the Lord. He did it through us. Now let's see what else we can do. And see if we can do something greater. And do something with more, more quality. Amen. Something with more quality. Not just quantity. It's not about numbers. It's about Quality. And I, I really believe this. This is a small church in a sense with the, with the numbers, but this is a very powerful church. 
powerful in prayer, powerful in, in, in the things that y'all do in the community. You're a very powerful church. And people who've heard us on the radio and then say, well, I'm going to go visit this church on the radio, come from all the way from Cleveland, heard us on the radio, comes all the way from Cleveland, comes in here, and there's 15 people here. And he's like, I thought it would be a big cathedral. You know? <laughs> it's like, no, nah, brother, it ain't no big cathedral. That, that, that stupid hick you heard on the radio, that's the one that's going to be up there. You know, you know, you'll be lucky I'm not, you know, uh, in my blue jeans or something on Sunday morning. The point is, is that we need, to just, uh, we need to just be more about quality and not about quantity. Just keep being a good, really good fruit. Have really good fruit. Because you can have uh, 50 apples, but if, you, if, if one of those apples is really, really good tasting, that's the apple we want to be. If we're the fruit of the Lord, then I don't want to just be a regular peach or a regular apple or a regular grape. I want to be the best grape I can be. I want to be the best fruit if I'm going to be a fruit for the Lord. That's right. I just said it. A Christian is fruity, and we are fruity for the Lord. Amen. So look at James chapter 1. Moving along. We're going to close this up. James chapter 1. So we're doing some spiritual counting tonight and how we can serve the Lord spiritually and Paul's teaching us a lot. James chapter 1. James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. Look at verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy. Count, there's that spiritual counting. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse Temptations. Diverse is another spelling and a way to say diverse. Diverse temptations. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. So James teaches us here, spiritually speaking, that he counted it a joy to be tempted. Now, who would count it a joy to be tempted? Because we all as Christians, we get into temptations and we have, we're tempted to certain things. And it's not a joy. <laughs> it's not a joy because you feel bad because a lot of times we fall to these temptations. But J James says, you know, I count it a joy. And why is he counting it a joy? Because it helps him to grow his faith. It's helping him to grow his faith. So spiritually speaking, it's a plus to be tempted. It's a plus to be tempted. And this is why. It's a plus to be tempted because you can prove and test your faith. You can prove and test your faith. You can prove through temptation just how strong your faith really is. A temptation will prove to you and prove to the Lord just how strong. Anybody can say, oh, I believe in Jesus Christ. Or I believe I should serve the Lord Jesus Christ. It's so easy to say those words, but it's really, really hard to live them. And when you're tempted by the devil and things come into your life and you're tested, what's happening is it gives you a chance to say, you know what, this is one time I'm going to show that I can beat this temptation. I'm going to beat it. And what happens? That makes your faith grow stronger. And just like a muscle that's worked, you work that muscle, work that muscle, it's going to get bigger and bigger and stronger and stronger. Faith is that way. The more you work your faith, the stronger your faith gets, the harder it gets, the bigger it gets, and there'll be a time there's nobody could destroy that faith. It's too strong because you've worked it. Uh, that's why so many Christians... I encourage them, read your Bible, study things about the Bible, because you're going to run into people who are skeptics, and they're going to call you out on stuff. They're going to say stuff about the Bible, and, and it's going to hurt you, and it's going to, and it's going to hurt your faith. But what you, what you need to do is let that lead you to study the Bible more so your faith will grow and be stronger. So next time you run into a Jehovah's Witness or a skeptic or an atheist, and they have a hard, they have a hard question for you, you'll have the right answer. Don't let those temptations, don't let those things... Be, 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 a, be a, a horrible uh, pain to you. Let that stuff be a joy to you. 
Let it be a joy to you. Okay, one more. I'm going to show you one more in James chapter 5. Just a couple of pages over and then we'll, we'll close for the night. James chapter 5, verse 10. This is one that's a, it's probably one of the hardest ones to get. And, and I don't blame anybody for it. James chapter 5, verse 10. Take my brethren, the prophets. He says, take my brethren, the prophets. He's saying, he's talking about, look at the prophets. Who have spoken in the name of the Lord. For an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Have you ever, and I just mentioned that before. But have you noticed that all uh, the prophets of the Old Testament, most of them died a grisly death. Most of them got run off. Uh, Elijah, of course, got carried up into heaven. But according to Revelation, going to get his head cut off in, in, in the tribulation period. You have all these great men of God, and they suffered a lot of tribulation. And that's what uh, James is trying to point you to. He's trying to say, you want to know what Christian life is? Pick this book up and read it. And you're going to find out there's a lot of suffering involved in being a Christian. There's a lot of suffering being involved, involved in being it. But it's worth it. It's worth it for sure. Take my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Look, verse 11. Behold, we count, that spiritual counting, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. What James teaches us here is James counted them happy who endure. So spiritually speaking, it's a plus, guys. It's a plus to endure suffering. Now, it don't seem that way when you're suffering, and I understand it. But it is a plus, spiritually speaking, to endure suffering. Be it suffering in health, be it suffering emotional problems, persecution. Whatever you're suffering in your life, the Bible's telling us, and James is teaching us here, here through the Bible, that it should be, it should be, it's happy, it should make you happy to endure suffering. And it's a spiritual plus for you. If you're spiritually counting things up, it's a plus for you to suffer. Uh, uh, Colleen has been coming into this church for years and years. Amen? I mean, years and years. I have never seen her as close to the Lord as she is right now. Amen. She's, a, she's talked to me about the Lord like she's never talked to me about the Lord. She's said things about the Lord I've never heard come out of her mouth before. But she's suffering through some health issues. And it should, it's a shame that it takes some of us, and I'm the same way. I'm not saying anything. Uh, Sister knows, and I'd say this if Sister Colleen's here, because she knows where, where my heart's at here. It's a shame that we have to suffer through something before we start realizing how good Jesus Christ is. Isn't it, wouldn't it be better if we just start praising Him and giving Him the glory before we have to start enduring all this? We, it really would be better that way. It's a plus to endure suffering because the Lord will bless you in the end. That's what He's teaching you there. He's saying, Behold, we count them happy which endure. Why? Ye have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord. Well, what was the end of Job? Job was more blessed at the end than he was at the beginning. That's what the Bible tells us. That's what the Bible teaches us about Job. Job went through all this suffering and anguish of loss of kids, a loss of, of wealth, of loss of his health. He lost everything but his life because the Lord wouldn't let the devil take it. At the end, when God showed up and God rebuked him, God got onto him, God had to straighten him out, but after God did all of that, the Bible's quoted, it said, God blessed Jacob's latter end more than his beginning. Christian, I know you're suffering, and I know some of us are suffering really hard through some very hard aches and pains, but don't you know that the end is going to be really, really good? Amen. Especially, brothers, and sisters, especially if that 
Suffering is for the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What kind of crown is waiting? What kind of rewards? What kind of joy? I mean, can you imagine as we get into heaven and we get up there and we're walking through there and we've been at church all our lives and we're trying to do all that and there's somebody like me walking in there and, you know, I, Lord, I tried to preach your word and everything and, and, they, and everybody, just, everybody just walks right past me. I'm like, where's everybody going? And here comes this old lady and she comes in there and she's got this new body. And when she was, in, when she was on the earth, she had, she had martyred, been martyred for Jesus Christ, gave her life up for Jesus Christ. How much glory is she going to get? How much glory does she deserve? You know, I'm going to try to get the video up here somehow or another and show you this video, but uh, I've got a video I just got found today of this, these, uh, uh, over in China. They had these suitcases where they had smuggled in these Bibles, and they had these suitcases on the, on the table or on the floor, and they had opened up these suitcases and when they open up these suitcases, these Chinese men and women, they literally swarmed and grabbed it, and they were pushing each other, getting these Bibles, and it showed, the camera was showing them, and this one guy just took the Bible and just kissed it, and was, he just had tears right here. And everybody, you could just see how emotional everybody was getting that Bible, just holding that Bible, just holding it so dear. Brothers and sisters, man, we, we, we're living in America, spoiled children of God, and we, we don't... We don't appreciate what God's given us. we got one of these in every room of our house practically. And we don't appreciate what God's given us. We don't, we don't appreciate how the Lord's took care of us. And we're basically riding the coattails of our great-grandfathers and our grandfathers and our fathers who loved the Lord, built churches like this, and tried to serve Jesus Christ and get the gospel out. We're, we're riding the coattails of men and women who bled and gave us this. And I, I'm very, very humbled to even be a part of whatever the Lord's doing. Let's go, Lord, in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, just thank you. Thank you for loving me, Lord. Thank you for taking care of us, Father, and help us to do this spiritual counting in our lives, Lord God, that we'll see the pluses and the minuses, Father. But, Father, just above all else, Lord, just show us some things we could do for you, Lord, simple things, Lord. And Father, it don't have to be anything big. Father, we're, we're, you know, sometimes we're just, it's the simple things you're looking for, looking for in our lives, Lord God, that we could do for you, just maybe hand out a gospel track, maybe witness to somebody, Lord, or maybe just praise you in some way, Father. But you know we're just uh, simple folk, Lord God. You know we're sinners, and Lord, forgive us for that. And Father, if you give, do give us a temptation, Father, I just pray, and thank you, Lord, you've given us a way out and an escape. But Father, I just pray as we head out from this uh, church, Lord God, that we won't leave it here, Lord God. We'll take it with us, and we'll live the life you want us to live, Lord, out in front of our family, our co-workers, our, our loved ones, Lord God. And we'll just always have you in our heart, Lord God, and we'll want to know you better. And Father, we want you to get to know us better in a sense that you'll come down and fellowship with us. And Lord, I ask for some traveling mercies for everybody here tonight. Lord, they can get home safely. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. 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 Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. 
So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3, verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13 he sums it up. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him